This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Puckcast with Statsman and AJ, Rotowire's hockey podcast show. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My partner on these pods, as always, is AJ Scholes, and you can follow him at AJ Scholes24. On today's podcast, we're going to continue our series of four preseason pods where we take a look at the Central Division today, which is the smallest complement of teams at seven uh, clubs in it. Also on today's show, we're very happy to announce that we have another special guest joining us a little in a little bit will be one of the on-air hosts who appears regularly on the 24-hour fantasy sports channel, Chris Meany. First, let's welcome back my co-host, A.J. Scholes. A.J., how you doing, partner? Doing great. It's uh, another good morning. Excited to go through another division. Uh, great to have Chris on with us as well. Um, before we kick off the rest of the show, I'll just remind our listeners that throughout the week, if you have questions about your lineups, fantasy hockey, or just hockey in general, uh, you can tweet at us, and we'll try and answer your questions uh, either during one of our shows or uh, or throughout the week. As Paul mentioned, you can follow me at AJScholes24. You can follow Paul, the Statsman, at Statsman22. And before we get into the this preview, we got to go back to last week, AJ. About an hour after we posted that pod, a note came down about Anaheim's Ryan Kessler. I don't know if you saw that, but he's going to be gone from their lineup for a while. So we projected him as the second-line center there, but uh, that's not going to be the case for at least a few weeks. And so that's going to alter uh, the mix uh, at center. We'll see how it shakes down. And you can keep an eye on that as we do uh, update the Rotowire daily lineups in uh, the NHL regularly, uh, even at this point in the exhibition schedule. So that's going to shake out in the next couple of weeks, and we'll have a better idea then. And we might circle back to address that miss and a couple others that are bound to take place as teams really have to deal with injuries in the early going, even in the preseason. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned, Paul, real quick that uh, about uh, Kessler, they lost, you know, Vatnin and Lindholm as well. They're going to be out until November 1st at the earliest, too. So, yeah, definitely. As Paul mentioned, you know, keep an eye on Rotowire's injury page. Um, you know, these things come fast and furious. I think, Paul, if we can digress real quick, I think I still go Anaheim number two in that uh, in that division, even with all the injuries. Are, are you still number two with them, or are you dropping them down? No, I, I think this is a temporary thing, and, and I, I just think there's a lot of depth there that, that they can survive these, uh, these bumps and bruises, and other teams are going to get them too, so I'm not about to chase the injury, uh, the injury bug at all. 
So uh, let's swing into the things for this week then. Uh, just as we did last week, we're going to replace our Stud and Rant of the Week segment and bring on our special guest, but we're going to throw it right into the show, show at the start today. This is a young man whose star is on the rise, AJ, as a host who appears regularly on the Fantasy Sports Channel. I met him at the recent Fantasy Sports Show in Toronto and came away thoroughly impressed. And so joining me, uh, AJ, uh, is, is Chris Meany to the podcast. Let's welcome him aboard. Chris, thank you for doing this. Hey, Paul, that's uh, quite the introduction, so I appreciate that, and uh, big fan of yours as well, and AJ, it's, uh, it's nice to finally talk to you. I've heard a lot of good things about you and, and this show, so thank you guys uh, for having me on. I'm looking forward to talking some hockey. It's here, guys. Excellent. Well, right off the top, uh, I want to ask you about your involvement with and around the fantasy sports industry, the Fantasy Sports Channel. How did you get to where you are? Well, I've been in uh, the broadcast injury or industry for a bit, guys. Uh, I worked at a classic rock station uh, a long time ago, about 10 years ago, and I really just wanted to get into sports. Uh, so I took some more further schooling. I did a radio and television program in the early 2000s. I moved to Toronto to take uh, some more schooling, and there I, I met a guy who was involved in just in Anthem Media is a company here in Toronto, and they were launching Fantasy Sports Network. And I had made a website about a year prior to that, a fantasy sports website. And my involvement was hockey, hockey rankings and hockey sleepers and keeping up with it throughout the season. And I just approached uh, Anthony Cinchoni, who is the vice president here at Anthem Media. And, you know, I found out he was going to they were going to make a, a channel dedicated to fantasy sports 24-7. I thought, wow, this is certainly for me. I wanted to be involved in this. And uh, right away, I've been here since the ground up. We're almost four years old now, and I'm involved in the, in the radio side of things and uh, certainly on the TV side of things as well. I host and produce a show. It's called Home Ice Advantage. It's brought to you by Boston Pizza and Molson Canadian. It's a show based around, of course, fantasy hockey and a game that, that launched last season. So uh, that was uh, the first year of the show and i'm looking forward to uh to doing it again this season and and hopefully just having some good guests like you guys on the show to talk about fantasy hockey throughout the season giving some picks and uh you know i couldn't be happier with with how things are going here at um at fantasy and uh, i'm looking forward to another hockey season well chris we'll get right into some of those uh fantasy hockey questions for you as far as you know season long pools uh and your strategy for that how do you how do you approach trading in those season long pools? Are there are there any rules you kind of live by? You know, I I don't trade away these guys. I'm I'm open to any sort of trade. What what's kind of your strategy in that sense? I'm certainly open to to any trade. You know, for the most part, you know, everybody you don't get who you want to get in drafts, but you have your mindset. For me, I I have targets that I want to get and players that I'm looking to get. Certainly in the later round. So if I don't get them, uh, they'll be on my radar in terms of just trying to acquire them throughout the season. But for the most part, I'm usually happy with my team, and I kind of like to roll it out and just be patient. I always try to preach patience, certainly in fantasy sports and definitely in fantasy hockey. You know, you you'll see slow starts to the season. So I, I do try to capitalize on some buy low guys. You know, a couple of seasons ago, Sidney Crosby was off to the slow start. You know, he wasn't named to the all-star game. And then all of a sudden, boom, this guy just went off. And all he did was win a couple cups and, and, and a Canada Cup. And, you know, the con Smythe, the, the, obviously, everybody knows what Crosby did. But that was just an example of somebody that you could buy low on. So I would say if you're in a league, uh, don't and you're trying to acquire guys. And a lot of people get caught up in these trades. You know, it's better to have a conversation with somebody 
somebody in your league as opposed to maybe just offering them a trade that you know it doesn't live up to the expectations for that other owner so i would say um have a conversation throw out a few names they can come back at you with a few names and you can have a conversation that way but i don't really have any rules i mean if you're playing in a league certainly you should be able to uh your league mate should be able to vote on a trade if they don't feel like it's fair they should be able to vote um you can't be having collusion in your league uh you want to have a good commissioner that's really all on the commissioner to to set up those rules but i have no problem uh in season-long trades uh, i'm definitely one who likes to take advantage of buying uh, low on players and even selling high if if i feel like a player is off to a pretty hot start and i'm not buying into it i'll certainly try to flip those guys and that's what fantasy hockey is all about i mean you're the manager of a team you get to act like a gm of a team and you get to make those moves how you see fit so i have no problems with trading and i i, I definitely don't feel like there should be too many rules on it you want to make fantasy hockey fun you know what? We established that AJ is a Pittsburgh fan. You went there with a Crosby reference. Don't, don't <laughs> butter this guy's toast, okay? I don't, I don't need that kind of help. L- look, Chris, later on in, our, in the show, we're going to do a Central Division outlook where we'll be breaking down the key players to watch at each position for each of the clubs. Is there one team that's of particular interest to you in this uh, division? And I'll ask you why. And I also think it's the best in terms of the top six teams if we exclude the seventh team, which I think is a consensus last place pick. Oh, yeah, the Colorado Avalanche in for another rough year. Yeah, this is a, a pretty good division. You're right, Paul. Uh, you got the Blackhawks who won it last year, Minnesota who played well. St. Louis is always hanging around. Of course, Nashville Predators went back uh, or went to the Stanley Cup. But, yeah, I mean, all of these teams really kind of catch my eye. I mean, you see Mark Scheifele last season, the, the high shooting percentage fourth in the, in the NHL, but I think he can certainly duplicate what he did last season. I mean, Blake Wheeler is one of those guys that touches all categories. I, I like that kind of player in fantasy hockey. Hockey. Certainly, if you're playing in leagues with shots and hits, he can just touch all categories. Patrick Line looks like he's going to play on that line with those guys. Nick uh, Ehlers stepped in in a big way last season. I actually think this kid is for real. Yeah. You look at Dallas and all the moves they made, and there's a lot to like about this division, Paul. You're right. They bring in Alexander Radulov, Barton Hansel. I don't love their defense, but then they get Mark Mathot from, from Vegas, and it's like, okay, that's shaping up a little bit. Then they bring in Ben Bishop because they haven't had a goaltender in a long, long time. Yeah. So that's going to be a team that's going to score a lot of goals and then i go look at the predators right i mean the ryan ellis loss is certainly huge i mean that guy is very underrated it's a really nice defensive core they bring in alexi emelin maybe he's going to play with pk former hab as well victor arvinson came onto the scene hot i'm buying into everything that he did last season and then you have the hawks and interesting about the Blackhawks two straight years of, of them not really not competing in in the playoffs I mean this is a team that uh, a really good regular season and just kind of soft in the postseason for five on five play and you saw that I mean they were very vocal about that in the offseason they bring in Brendan Saad who is one of the best five on five players in the NHL since he entered and you know they're, they're, this is a different team I mean they lose Jalmerson how much is that going to be effect he's a very underrated defenseman who is Patrick Kane going to play with uh, you know, he, I find year in and year out, it's like Taves gets that good line mate and Saad. Saad gets traded, and then they have Panarin, and Panarin goes with Kane, and he has that good line mate. And then Taves is kind of just doesn't really have that superstar. And I think Saad goes back to Taves, so I'm interested to see how Kane's going to work out. There is one player I want to throw at you guys, uh, and it's Nick Schmaltz. And I, I usually try to look for value in drafts, and I feel like this guy will certainly go undrafted as, as somebody that only had four points in his first 27 NHL games, and then in his last 26 hockey games, 21 points. Uh, he ends up with 28 points, a couple power play points. This is somebody that I think is going to center that second line, is going to benefit from playing with a guy like Patrick yeah. Kane, and is going to get some more power 
power play time as well. So there is a, a lot of intriguing teams. I mean, I didn't even touch on the St. Louis Blues. I love the addition of Brennan Shen, another guy that can contribute across uh, all categories. And then, um, and then Minnesota, who had a really good season as well, not buying into everything that Eric Stahl did last season. Uh, it was, you know, he's towards the end of his career. Zach Breezy is having some issues as well. It's kind of, he's a fade for me in fantasy hockey, but there's a lot to like. You, you mentioned it, Paul, uh, across the board, even Colorado. I mean, yeah, they're going to have some problems, but they, they have some guys on that team who can score, and I don't think they'll be as bad as what they were a year ago. All right, Chris, I'm going to put your feet to the fire on this one. Who do you think wins the division here and why? Uh, And I don't want this to be a cop-out because they went to the finals, but the Nashville Predators were my pick on the show in Home Ice Advantage. In November, uh, I got them at 12-1 to to win the Stanley Cup. Now, obviously, they came just short, but uh, there's a lot to like about this team. I mean, I already talked about the defense. I mean, with Ryan Ellis being gone, that's a huge blow, but if he can come back towards the end of the season, I mean, they'll be fine. They'll they'll certainly make the playoffs. If they don't win the division, they'll be fine. We saw them last year. I mean, they came fourth inside this division, and, and they had their way with the Chicago Blackhawks. I was actually not surprised with them beating the Hawks. They have a lot of depth. Now, certainly, they lose a guy in James Neal. Uh, He's a guy that can score some goals. They lose their leader in Mike Fisher, but, you know, Callie Yarncrock is a nice young player, a nice addition. You saw some of the, the young studs uh, in Watson and some of these other players that just stepped up in a role in the postseason. Kevin Fiala, who broke his leg, he's going to be a factor on this team. And I said about Victor Arvidsson, a breakout season I think was for real. 31 goals. He shoots the puck a ton, 246 shots. Uh, P.K. Subban, Roman Yossi are solid. Matias Ekholm is solid on the back end. They got a good goalie in Pekarene and a good guy that can back him up as well. So, uh, in Saros, this is a really just sound team i like them across the board i think they have the most depth in this division and arguably in the nhl so uh they are my team i i think that winnipeg takes a step forward certainly st louis blues uh kind of you know very similar to the production of last season I and mean, they do lose shattenkirk on the back end but i like the addition as i mentioned about Braden shen and the minnesota wild they're going to be sound as well and i wonder about the blackhawks i don't know how you guys feel about them they're going to score some goals but this is a a, a different team and it's a guy in Seabrook who's getting a little bit older and Corey Crawford who is he's obviously a, a, a top goaltender in the NHL but he has been hit or miss over the past couple seasons he's had some bad games and I think that the loss of Nick Jalmerson is really going to hurt this team on the back end he's very underrated he does the things that don't stand out in the box score he blocks a lot of shots he goes against some top forwards uh, I think he's a fantastic defenseman so I like the Predators I think they're all around a pretty solid team well that does it for our show it looks like he's given us a preview of <laughs> Of everything that we were going to cover in the next 45 minutes. Yeah, that's my bad, guys. I'm no, no, it's all that. right. We are all excited. But you know what, uh, Chris? Uh, I'll remind you, I'm, I'm very happy to be getting into a, a pool with you in the next little while. And, and uh, I'll remind you, too, that we, we think we know our stuff here as well. You're talking to the two-time defending champ of the, the August Rotowire uh NHL pool and uh, it's a novel concept that we have in that one I'll explain that in a later show but uh, we know that you obviously understand that Rotowire has a substantial presence in the fantasy sports space and we realize that you're pretty avid about your passion for hockey it comes shining through when you talk fantasy like you just did talk to us though about your favorite fantasy hockey league and its unique aspects in terms of formatting 
Yeah, so last year, this is a different league, and I think it's really cool, and I'd like to start one up, actually, and I'd love to have you guys on board. Uh, If we can get it going this season, that would be fantastic. But I I helped a friend out, a friend of a friend last season. Uh, His pool was was based on salary cap, so everybody has a $75 million salary cap, just like in the NHL, and every player has their exact cap, right? So, I mean, I had Alexander. This guy had Alexander Radulov on his team. He gets a pay boost. He's making 6.25 on his team. Alexander Ovechkin is on his team. He's making $9.5 million. You have to make some tough adjustments. So I was able to find myself in this league this year, and I acquired a team with, for example, Evgeny Kuznetsov, who, who was making decent amount of money, but he gets the pay raise. Do I want to carry him anymore? Because you can't go over the cap and you have to roster 21 players. So it's, it's a very unique pool. Uh, I think you can find some guys like I was able to find Jake Gensel and Connor Siri, AJ's boys, uh, more, of penguins, oh God. more of the penguins for him. But those guys <laughs> against the cap and you look at him, I mean, Jake Gensel making under a million bucks. Right. I mean, wow, what a steal for somebody that plays with Sidney Crosby and Connor Siri, who spent some time with Sidney Crosby. These are the type of players that allow you to be able to have an Alex Alexander Ovechkin allow you to be able to have a Dougie Hamilton at 5.5 or 5.45 million dollars. Some of these other players. So uh, I think it's a very unique pool. And if you look at the waiver wire, you'll see a guy like Henrik Lundqvist on the waiver wire. Jonathan Taves, Andre Kopitar, some guys that really don't blow you away in fantasy. Obviously, they're good real life players, but you cannot afford to roster these players because they add up so much cap. And it's just like really managing a hockey team. You see Connor McDavid and the, the raise that he's going to get the $13 million, the Carey Price. Can you afford to roster a guy like Carey Price at, at, you know, a lot of your salary at $10 million? So it, it's a very unique pool. Uh, I, I get the fifth pick overall. I'm looking to get Charlie McAvoy to, to help out that defense. And just looking at rookies and looking at just some players who are, are just just have the the bare minimum salary cap so you can roster some of them. Yeah, that sounds like an awesome, awesome format you got there. I I know I'm speaking for Paul and I keep us posted. If you set one of those up, we definitely would both be interested. Uh, I'm curious in, in other sports, there's sometimes positions that, you know, you might uh, punt on in in favor of others. Uh, Is there one in hockey where, you know, you get so much more value in other spots that you're willing to take kind of, you know, uh, more middle of the road guys and, and kind of punt on that position. Yeah, I think defensemen, and I think Paul's on board with this. I mean, yeah. we were going to talk about that at the, the Fantasy Sports Show in Mississauga, and it's exactly it. We're both on the same page here, I think. I look at defensemen, and I see people draft, you know, an Eric Carlson or a Brent Burns near the end of the first round or early second, and I just, oh, I kind of, like, just shake my head a little bit. It bothers me. It's not like these guys are not good defensemen, but if you just look at it, I mean, just an example of last season, three defensemen with 70 points, nine in the 50s, 23 in the 40s, 94 forwards had 50. 50 points 16 forwards had 70 plus points so i would rather draft myself a forward even a goaltender i'm one of those guys certainly in head-to-head formats i'd like to get a goaltender with my first three picks i think it's very important to get one of those top five guys this year is a little bit different looking at my goaltender rankings i think there's a big um i, I say tier of maybe six seven goalies that are right in that same spot that i look at i'm like ah, i'm okay with any of these guys but i think it's very important to grab yourself a goalie so yeah i mean guys like eric carlson who you know, could be off to a slow start in terms of maybe he's not even ready to go in October. There's some reports, you know, I think he said he, he would play in November if it, if it meant, you know, waiting it out. Brent Burns, another guy I talked about, 
Um, Victor Hedman jumps in there as a guy that I really do like, sure, but am I drafting him in the second, third round? No, probably not. I'm going to punt that division or that category and that position rather. And if you're playing in leagues with you know block shots and shots and you know not just straight goals and assists, there's some defenseman that you can find later on in drafts that can just hit all of those categories and help you out i mean and alex martinez is a guy that's underrated he does a lot of all that he touches all categories so uh, i'm one to to wait it out and i think you'd rather for people who are just drafting in fantasy hockey just let those let the people draft the carlson the brent burns the the headman the keith's early keith is a big name but i'm not drafting him early i, I like to wait it out at the position that's a great call, and uh, you know that I've subscribed to that, too, in, in most of my leagues, Chris. Uh, we want to thank you, thank you for coming on to today's show and uh, for your support of our, what we're trying to do here on the pod. We hope that we can circle back to you when the serious shooting starts in a couple of weeks when the re- regular season kicks off and maybe have you play FanDuel's Daily Fantasy Hockey with us, which we'll incorporate into our show at that point. We'll remind all our listeners, you can follow Chris on Twitter, at Chris Meany. He's a great follow, a lot of great opinions, uh, some of which he's expressed on today's show. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast with us today, Chris. Hey, Paul, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I, I loved meeting you a couple weeks ago. And AJ, thank you as well. Uh, I don't need to say good luck to your Penguins. They'll be fine. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to talking to both of you guys in the future. And I'd love to be involved uh, in the FanDuel's daily fantasy hockey uh, there at Rotowire. So thanks a lot, guys. Enjoy the season. Thank hey, you thanks very so much, Chris. All right, AJ, let's get into our Central Division outlook, beginning with the Chicago Blackhawks. This team had their strong first-place regular season flushed in a four-game sweep at the hands of the Nashville Predators last season. Stan Bowman went back to early successes to return a couple of familiar faces up front, and the forwards will shake up uh, and and look like this, the forward lines. Brendan Saw, Jonathan Taves, and uh, Panic formed the first line. Patrick Sharp... And Artem Anisimov and Patrick Kane on the second line. Hinostroza, Schmaltz, and Hartman make up what looks like an interesting third line with a lot of grit and some pretty good speed here that's underestimated. For me, Saad and Sharp have been brought back into this mix because they're familiar with what goes on in Chicago and the winning that, that they did together. And they got one of these guys on the cheap, too. Sharp came back at a heavy discount. But I see that Saad, I note that Saad signed a big deal with Columbus. And yet the Hawks saw fit to, to deal Artemi Panarin to reel him back in. That's a very interesting move. We can talk about that a little bit, AJ. Both these players can score, but they both play with grit that's, play, that's playoff hardened. And that's really what I, what I like about the, the returns to Chicago, both these players. That's going to make this team better. Panic has been a revelation, meshing effectively with Taves on the front line and cementing a newfound front line, his own front line status. He's now a 50-point guy. Sharp may have lost half a step for his part, but still possesses good speed and soft hands he's surely going to be pumped to wear this sweater in top six minutes once again Anisimov is underrated as a second line pivot and he'll be paired with Kane as he has been for the last couple of seasons so that's going to be good for him and and probably could consider him a bit of a good sleeper pick there AJ that's my slant what do you think about this group as you mentioned Paul apparently they're trying to recapture the team they were when they last won the Stanley Cup uh, by bringing Saad and Sharp back I think basically with Saad, this was a contract move. Uh, Chicago didn't want to have to worry about paying Artemi Panarin when his deal comes up after the 2018-19 season. This is a team that's constantly, uh, of late, found itself in you know cap crunch, trying to figure out where to go. Um, and so they flip him. You know, Saad's under contract for the same amount, but through the 2020-21 season. Uh, how this group performs, I think, will come down to their depth. 
It's something this club is still trying to build after selling out for their Stanley Cup titles, rightfully so. I wouldn't blame them for that at all. Um, I think losing Marion Hossa for the year is a significant blow to this team. Uh, I'll note, with the exception of Tommy Wingles, their entire bottom six is 25 years of age or younger. Uh, I look for this group to maybe struggle early on uh, as they adjust to not only playing with each other, um, but just playing in the NHL in general. Um, but I do expect them to settle down uh, heading down the stretch. Now, defensively, uh, the big move was swapping Nicholas Jarmelson for Connor Murphy, uh, which to me was a slightly strange move, but I'll get into that more. We'll see Connor Murphy pairing up with Duncan Keith. Then you have Michael Kempe and Brent Seabook. And then it looks like Gustav Forsling will have maybe a rotating group. Uh, it's kind of not certain who he's going to pair with. It could be Jan Ruda, Cody Franzen, Jordan Osterley. So a number of guys there. Um, but back to the Connor Murphy, Nicholas Jarmelson move. Uh, those guys produce about the same uh, for nearly the same cost, which is why it was a little bit of a uh, concerning move uh, or an interesting move for me. I think Keith cracked uh, the 50-point mark last year, and he's got four straight seasons with 40-plus. Uh, he'll be the bulk of their blue line scoring. You know, Seabrook can chip in as well, um, but he you know, garnered a mere three goals, albeit 36 helpers last year. And for me, I think rather than Jan Ruta or one of these other guys, I think they would do well to give Cody Franzen a permanent deal. He's there on a PTO right now um, and keep him around for the season. Although how Jordan Osterley develops could impact Franzen's ability to make the squad. Uh, so those are some of my thoughts about this defensive group. I, I think that third guy is kind of an interesting battle we'll see in training camp. Paul, what did you see from their defense? Well, I love uh, the way Duncan Keith plays this game. He's still to be considered among the elite defensemen in the league who can top 50 points in a heartbeat. He's a very special skater, plays with a ton of confidence. He'll have a new regular partner, though, in Murphy, and that's going to elevate Murphy's status for me big time. He comes over from Arizona where he was uh, underwhelmed by some of the players he so the situation that he was in in Chicago. It's a winning environment, and I th think that's going to elevate his game. Kempney is a guy who will be expected to take on more minutes this year, and a guy I'll be watching closely. He'll benefit from more regular work with Seabrook as the Hawks continue to split up their top two defensemen. Uh, Seabrook, f for my money, is, is a defensive stabilizer as well as a capable offensive contributor. The offensive side of his game kind of gets overlooked because he's played in the shadow of Keith, but he is a guy who can get the 40-point mark himself. And their eyes will be on 27-year-old Jan Ruta, who will be making his NHL debut. I'm, I'm guessing that they're hoping they found a diamond in a rough here, AJ. Uh, let's go on to the goalies where uh, obviously Corey Crawford is back. Anton Forsberg has been brought over from Columbus and Jean-Francois Barube has come over from the Islanders where he hopes to sh shed his suit that he wore in the press box for most of the season and maybe get a look as the backup. But let's begin with Crawford. He's entrenched as a top 10 goalie in this league. He'll do what he has to done in the past and that's just win and play a lot. Anton Forsberg is a highly respected young goalie who will be who was in the Columbus system last year, and he is a cap guy that I think could be a very capable backup. So uh, I'm wondering what your slant is on the goaltending. I think it's in pretty good hands here. Yeah, most nights fantasy owners aren't going to see a change between the pipes. Uh, Corey Crawford is pretty much a near lock to see between 55 and 60 games played and to get about 30 to 35 wins. Those are numbers he's replicated in six of the last seven seasons, with the lockout shortened year being the only exception there. I think the bigger question here is who will serve as the backup 
when it's a rest night for Crawford. Scott Darling is in Carolina now. And that leaves new signees Anton Forsberg and J.F. Barub, as you mentioned, to battle it out for that number two spot. I do think Forsberg offers more long-term upside given his size and athleticism, but Baru might serve the more immediate uh, need of a backup goaltender. All right, so that's our slant of the Hawks. Let's move down the ladder uh, to our consensus last place team. I don't think I'm giving anything away there in terms of where we think this team is going. No, I don't think so. Uh, Let's consider the Colorado Avalanche, though. The dysfunction in the Mile High City began in the last offseason when Patrick Waugh left the club abruptly from his anticipated coaching uh, assignment. They have the specter of an unhappy Matt Duchesne this offseason after the club finished with a league-worst 48 points last year. That's an incredibly low total in this three-point NHL era AJ they even took a hit in the draft lottery as they slid to the fourth overall pick in the draft they did get a a big defenseman who uh, looks like he may have some upside down the road but they missed out on the top three uh, uh, junior players uh, with that poor result at the lottery assuming that he stays with the club and breaks camp with them uh, I'm talking Duchesne this is the way we see the forward lines lining up we have uh, Gabriel Landeskog on left wing with uh, Nate McKinnon, and Rantanen is going to round out the right wing. Andrew Ghetto, Juiced, and Duchesne on the second line. We have Colin Wilson, Comfer, and Como on that third line. A look at this group does reveal a number of skilled players, as Chris Meany even pointed out when he was out with us earlier. Wasn't that a great preview he did on the division? That was awesome <laughs> the way he did that in six minutes. In addition to Duchesne, Landeskog and McKinnon are recent high drafts and are expected to continue to profile as capable scorers in their own right. Last year's top draft, Tyson Jost, is going to get a, a look at a top six role here. Rantanen, for me, looks like the guy guy in this group who's on the cusp of a breakout season and another guy to watch here potentially is Niall Yakupov it's last chance saloon for the former first overall pick if I may kind of borrow from Frank Sinatra if this guy can't make it here he won't make it anywhere AJ what do you think of the rest of these forwards well I think you're being a little uh, generous to Niall Yakupov I think his last three stops have been the last chance saloon for him (laughs) why why teams keep giving him a a look I, I just can't figure out I mean, he got traded for last season and was supposed to, you know, get a revitalized uh, year in, in St. Louis, and that just didn't pan out either. He barely played. Um, I do agree with your assessment that there are some talented players here. Uh, specifically for me, I think uh, Sven and Draghetto and Tyson Jose. Uh, but it's a largely untested group that is about to uh, get worse, in my opinion, when they're forced to trade away Matt Duchesne, uh, who wants out of this sinkhole. I think despite having uh, top talent in Nathan McKinnon, this group is going to struggle to score goals. Colin Wilson might add a boost, um, but he's about the extent of their their bottom six scoring. uh, And most likely, I think, will get pushed up into that second-line role when Duchesne leaves. Uh, Defensively, you're looking at Mark Barbaro and Eric Johnson as your top pair. Nikita Zadorov, who uh, got his... Uh, visa situation all worked out. He's with the team now, or will be shortly, rather. Uh, Tyson Berry, Anton Lindholm, and Andre uh, Minovera. And then don't forget about David Warsawski. He could compete for a spot in that bottom third pairing. Uh, Their defensive core combined. Now, I want to stress the word combined here for 11 goals last season. Uh, That's as many as Matt Dumba, Cam Fowler, or Zach Wierenski. Uh, and that's by six guys combined. Now, I, I did use David Warsawski's numbers in there uh, as well. Uh, you know, to be fair, Barbaro played the most games out of any of these guys last year with just 60. 
Uh, but you need better if you're going to get out of the bottom of this division, rather uh, possibly even the league bottom. I, I think they're going to struggle to avoid that. Um, that's not to say these guys don't have talent. I really personally like what Wersofsky brings to the table, but these guys just aren't NHL ready, in my opinion. They need a little more time to develop. Uh, that's my take on the blue line. Paul, how do you see them shaking out? Boy, you threw a lot of dirt on them there. Uh, I'll <laughs> say this, AJ. AJ's, in, you pointed out uh, injuries kind of crippled this group last year. You can look at the there's red crosses near a bunch of them in most preview magazines uh for their injury concerns there is some quality here though because uh don't forget that johnson for instance is a former first overall draft pick tyson berry is capable of being a true number one d-man i think he's even capable of a 50 point season if he's healthy barbario and zadorov i'll loony on that one okay (laughs) barbario and zadorov are two other capable scorers in this blue line if healthy i think they can they can all uh, be productive it's just that i'm comfortable with their abilities on the the offensive end just not at all in their defensive zone they haven't got a defensive conscience back there so that's really uh, to underscore your analysis where this team's going to run into a lot of trouble uh, overall and uh, the guys who are going to pay for it big time are in the nets uh, in goal they have the tandem of Semyon Varlamov and Jonathan Bernier uh, Varley for his part was injured for part of last season and fantasy leagues may underrate this guy but a couple of years ago he was among the top rated younger goalies and I, I could see him having a bit of a bounce back campaign if he's healthy Bernier for his part has to forget the dream of being a first stringer and should be should be over for him in that regard he may need a mental reset to be as good as possible uh, in this roster in a backup role and needs to accept that if he does this could be a a better than expected tandem I'll say but health needs to be uh, solid for Semyon Varlamov to make Varlamov to make that happen AJ what's your slant on the tandem here the problem with Varlamov having a bounce back year is before he got injured, he started out 6 17 and 0 with an abysmal 3.38 goals against average. Um, I do think uh, the lack of talent in front of him is partially to blame for that, and he's going to see a lot more shots again this year. Um, I take a different uh, stance on uh, Bernier. I don't think he's here just to serve as a backup, I think he's an insurance policy. Uh, I think if Simeon comes out flat to start the year, uh, look for Bernier to to take over as a starter potentially, although whether he would fare any better is certainly up in the air uh, with the lack of, you know, as you said, a a uh, defensive-minded group in front of him. Well, I've seen the Bernier first-string roll up close and personal here in Toronto. I didn't like it too much, so uh, (laughs) that doesn't offer much hope to to Colorado fans, I don't think. Uh, Our third team in this week's preview is the Dallas Stars. Uh, Again, Chris Meany teased that this is a team. They made a lot of changes. They missed the playoffs entirely last season after finishing 11th out of the 14 Western Conference teams. They made a lot more changes than most other clubs, and that intrigues me about this squad. It's going to be interesting to see how they stack up. Uh, the forwards look like this, though, after a few moves this offseason. The tandem of Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan gets Alexander Radulov, a tremendous addition to this mix. I'll get into him in a little bit. Antoine Roussel and Radek Faxa have a new center in the hulking Martin Hansel. Great face-off guy and a good two-way guy. 
solid number two center there. Jason Spezza is uh, looking like he'll, he may start even on a third line role here, but I expect that he'll threaten top six minutes easily. He'll be a factor on power plays. Devin Shore and Tyler Pitlick, young Tyler Pitlick over here uh, for his debut in Dallas. That's the new, newest addition on the third line. So they have a new face in each of the three units. I love the addition of Radulov, as I said, as he provides grit and scoring, hopefully elevating the compete level of his new frontline mates. I think that's an area where Ben and Sagan kind of can have been floating on there and relying on just their skills. If they can get their heads wrapped around being a little more tenacious, I think playing with Radulov can help that happen. As I said, Hansel is a solid number two center. His success in the face-off circle will lead to more possession time for his industrious line mates. The trouble is that this looks look more like a third line unit to me. They might get better scoring out of the Spezza line, AJ. What do you think about the, the way these guys uh, line up? The Stars won out on perhaps the biggest uh, free agent prize this offseason when they signed Radulov to a five-year deal. Uh, technically, he does have back-to-back 50-point NHL seasons, <laughs> albeit separated by a five-year gap in between. Uh, combining him uh, with uh, Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan, uh, this is a top line that can compete with the best of the best in the league. I, I do have concerns about the fact that scoring goals hasn't really been the problem in Big D in the last few years. It's been injuries and goaltending. Uh, if these guys can stay healthy, I think new but also old coach Ken Hitchcock uh, would be uh, fielding a third line that has tallied a combined 94 points last year. Radic Fasca is one player I'm really keyed in on for, for this team. Uh, first full season last year and snagged 12 goals and 21 helpers, both of which were career highs. Uh, I've got him tabbed to blow both of those numbers out of the water in 2017-18. Uh, defensively, uh, if there was another big fish in free agency slash trade uh, you know, talk, it was Mark Mathot, and, and through some wheeling and dealing with Vegas, they snagged him to anchor that top pairing. He'll be there with John Klingberg. Then you got Essa Lindell and Dan Hampus. Finally, Julius Honka and Steven Johns as the third pair there. I think the 32-year-old uh, Mathot is a shutdown defender who may not rack up uh, the offensive stats, no goals and 12 helpers in, in 16-17, but he can provide top-end ancillary stats in terms of blocks, hits, and plus-minus. I think Esso Lindell is another player to keep an eye on. Uh, his scoring ability hasn't translated to the NHL quite yet, uh, but he has shown he is offensively minded in the minors. He just needs to turn it on. Uh, those are a couple of the guys that I like on the blue line. Paul, what about you? Uh, you know what? you got to look at that scoring line of Mathot and say no goals and 12 assists while he played with Carlson. That's incredible to me. I think if I go out there and in boots... Uh, I mean, I'm going to get 20 points <laughs> just because some stuff is going to bounce off my butt when Carlson's p- passing the puck around out there. Uh, but no question, the addition of Mathot brings some much-needed defensive acumen to this group uh, he, to work with a number of softer but very skilled offensive defensemen. Only Hughes, another 30 something year old guy has a similar sense of defending here in this unit and that fact is still an issue over here for me Uh, Klingberg is Eric Carlson light in my opinion Uh, he's got all the skills that Carlson does just doesn't play the game to to that same level but who among us does Klingberg Klingberg will be freed up alongside the more conscientious method to to do his offensive thing and he 
will certainly be a lock to get at least 40 points, maybe even threaten 50, uh, working with some of the offensive talent that we mentioned earlier. Johns and Honka are two rear guards who were tasked with building on last year's first consistent exposure to the NHL, so there's nowhere to go but up for them, and so that uh, that means I give the, uh, an arrow up to this group where I might not have last year. Uh, they're going to be better than last year's team. We'll see if they can make the playoffs. The addition of Bishop in net definitely improves the outlook there too when we look at the goaltending tandem but he had some injury concerns and for me uh, he holds the key to this team I think he's going to see more shots than he did in Tampa he also has some recent injury issues that worry me a little bit if he's healthy though he's proven to be a very good goalie AJ and he'll be working with Carrie Leighton, a longtime number one, a former first-round pick. He'll be asked to take a bit of a backseat here, I think, in the early going. But this guy's a competitor, and you know he's going to press the uh, new guy on the block, uh, his new goalie partner. But all in all, this is a much better goalie tandem than it was last year with the addition of Brian Bishop, in my opinion. What do you think? Well, as I mentioned, aside from injuries, uh, the goalie position has been the Achilles heel for this team the last few seasons. Uh, Bishop's numbers were down last year. He played in a mere 39 outings and went 18, 15, and 5 uh, with just the one shutout. But uh, with his contract situation behind him and the trade rumors no longer swirling, uh, I think he's poised to get back to being the 35-plus win player he was from about 2013 through 2016. Uh, as you mentioned, Antti Niemi is gone, but Kerry Lettinen will stick around to serve as the backup. And that's a role he'll need to get comfortable with. Uh, there should be, uh, in my opinion, little doubt about who the number one netminder is for the Stars. Up next, AJ, we turn our attention to the Minnesota Wild, whose reward for finishing a close second to Chicago in the regular season last year was a tough first-round matchup against St. Louis. The Blues actually took this series in five games. That was a surprise to me, as I recall, in a set that only underlined our belief that this is the toughest division in hockey, as I said off the top, in terms of the top six teams that we project in the standings. I still believe that this year as we go forward. The Wild hope that they will get a little bit further with a similar look that, to the one they had last season with these forwards. They will line up as follows. Zach Parise, Miko Koivu, and Michael Grandlin. Mikhail Grandlin, rather. Let's get the pronunciation right. I'm a stickler for that, AJ. And uh, you know what? These are these guys, Miko Koivu, pretty solid center there, playmaker at both ends of the ice. He's very responsible. I like that guy a lot. Jason Zucker, Eric Stahl, uh, uh, Chris mentioned he's not sure what we can expect from Stahl. Neither am I, to be honest with you. But I think it'll be something approaching what he did last year, some kind of a rebirth there for him. Charlie Coyle's a guy whose play was elevated, playing in top six minutes. I'd like for him to get a shot to do that again. The guy that I'm keeping an eye on on third line is Nino Niederreiter. He'll be flanked. He'll be flanking Matt Cullen, a, a guy who you're going to have trouble uh, seeing in the in the mustard-colored uniforms this season. And Tyler Ennis was brought over from Buffalo, one of two guys that they added from the Sabres fold. Marcus Foligno, a big bruiser who will fit on the fourth line, maybe threaten for top nine minutes at least. Joel Eriksson Ek, another interesting center, might challenge for more minutes from that fourth line post. And Chris Stewart, this is a power forward guy who just really hasn't figured it out at the NHL level consistently, and that's why he's penciled in to start the fourth line. For me, Grandlin had a breakout campaign after he was moved over to the wing to take advantage of his breakaway speed. That was a great call by the brain trust here, and he's been a star since he learned how to got the opportunity to flee the defensive zone from the wing position. He was better cast as a finisher rather than passer, as it turns out. Those latter skills are in the 
those latter skills are in the competent hands of Koivu and Stahl, who enjoyed a rebirth to his career, as I mentioned, with a great season in Minnesota. He and Koivu for, form a pretty solid one-two, but it's one of the few 30-plus tandems at center in the whole league, and that's a mild concern for me as the league turns to younger talent more and more each season, it seems. Coyle had that breakout offensive season last year, AJ, working very well with the two big centers. He played with both of them. Zucker is a grinder who may seed top six minutes if things click for Niederreiter. He's a guy, I think, who's poised for a breakout. Should do better than the 52 points he recorded last season. Cullen, as I mentioned, prototypically a three, uh, number three center over from the Pens this season. Former Buffalo Sabres, Felino and Ennis bring more size and skill, respectively, to this deep group. I like the way it shakes out. What say you, AJ? I think the emergence of Mikhail Granlund is what gave general manager Chuck Fletcher the confidence that he could make the move to trade away Jason Pominville. Uh, I think the 25-year-old stepped up big time. Uh, 26 goals, 43 helpers, and has missed just one regular season contest in the last two years. Uh, Jason Zucker is another guy coming off a big year with career highs in goals, assists, and shots. Uh, And he certainly could challenge to put up another 40-plus points. Uh, I think with much of the the top of their forward lines hasn't changed, uh, the bottom is almost entirely new to the squad or untested. Uh, as you mentioned, Ennis and Flingo uh, come over in the Pominville trade, plus adding Matt Cullen in free agency. Uh, Erickson Eck has just 15 NHL games under his belt. So I think much like Chicago uh, and their bottom six, it could take some time for these guys to gel, uh, just get comfortable with each other, get comfortable with the NHL in, in some cases. Um, but there's a nice combo, I think, of skill and experience in this group. Uh, defensively is another spot where it, it looks pretty similar to last year. You've got Ryan Sutter and Jared Spurgeon uh, manning that top uh, that top pairing. Jonas Broden and Matt Dumba. Kyle Quincy comes over. Uh, Gustav Olofsson will be his partner, and, and Ryan Murphy could factor in uh, for some minutes as well. I think this top tandem is an underrated duel as they combine the size in Sutter with the scoo- uh, smooth skating ability of the diminutive Spurgeon. Uh, and it paid off for these guys who combined for 78 points last year. Uh, I was skeptical of, of Matt Dumba last year. I know that's a player you are high on, uh, and he rewarded your confidence uh, by avoiding the sophomore slump and chipping in 12 points on the power play uh, in addition to uh, the rest of his contributions. I even like the addition of Kyle Quincy as a veteran presence on that third pairing as well. I think top to bottom, a Wild fans should be pretty excited about this group. Uh, I am as well. Paul, are you excited about their defense? I definitely agree with you. We know what we're going to get from that solid top pairing as they can both be penciled in for 40 points uh, to start the season. It's the second pairing that really uh, gets me excited for this group. uh, There's some upward potential as they're both capable of reaching that same point total. I'm looking at Brodine and Dumba when I say that. That's a solid quartet uh, as there is in the league. And you mentioned that veteran Quincy is a pretty nice addition uh, to the way this team plays their game. The responsibility at both ends of the ice is a key. And then there's the unrealized potential of both Olafson and Murphy, who can, if one of these two guys emerges, that's going to only make this group even better than I think they already are. So really, really one of the A-plus uh, groups in terms of defense, uh, defensive uh, complement 
in the, in the entire league for me. And in goal, the beneficiaries of that are the tandem of Devin Dubnik and Alex Stalock. Dubnik, now 31 years old, has thrived since the moment he arrived in many three years ago, AJ, solidifying his status as one of the league's top workhorses in goal as well as posting some solid numbers along the way. I hope he doesn't get hurt because I don't rate his backup, Alex Stalock, nearly among the top backups in the league. That, to me, is a bit of a concern. So the continued good health of Dubnik, really central to to the success that Minnesota Wild has to look be looking at as the season unfolds but I'd love to see them do a little bit better than the backup guy that they have agreed I think it, you know it's important to note in back-to-back years Dubnik has seen action in 65 plus games that's pretty high now he is coming away with 40 wins in 2016-17 that's the first time uh, in his career he's reached that threshold and I think as much as some people might want to blame him for the postseason collapse uh, it really was a lack of offensive production that sunk them. Dubnik was still solid uh, even in the postseason. Uh, I, I think uh, I'm expecting little to change in terms of the towering netminders usage to your concerns about the backup situation. And while I think Stalock might have the inside edge for that number two role, don't overlook Nicholas Svedberg, uh, who joins them from the KHL. Uh, his numbers were down last season, just 14 wins. But he had an impressive 2015-16 uh, campaign when he went 29-19-3 and with a .916 save percentage. So uh, that could be their answer. Svedberg uh, taking over for Stalock down the road. But I think because of those question marks, as, as you highlighted, Paul, they're going to rely on Devin Dubnik to play in 65-plus games once again. Yeah, that's going to be quite quite the load for him. Before we move on to the rest of the Central Division, we want to take, give a nod to our sponsor, FanDuel, and that's properly in order after week two of the NFL season. Fantasy football fans, the wait is over. Football is back, which means FanDuel is back. At FanDuel, fantasy football fans is there... Uh, fantasy football is there for everyday fans. There's new contests starting every week. No busted seasons. Something for everyone. There's lots of contests to choose from starting at just a dollar. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. Now, AJ, two weeks into the league schedule, and uh, after week one, there was a little bit of concern over, over one Tom Brady, but he served notice that he's not so washed up after all with a big game against an admittedly inferior New Orleans uh, defense. The Broncos exposed my Cowboys pass defense and they really limited them offensively. That was quite a show they put on too. In our staff free roll, I finished just outside the money thanks to Kareem Hunt and the Oakland Raiders rolling over the Jets. Uh, I finished, I think, seventh in the league. The top five cashed, and my partner on the Wednesday pods eked me out uh, of, of, the, of the money finishing. So I think there's going to be some trash talking tomorrow on that pod, <laughs> AJ. What have you to say about what you've seen so far in the NFL? Well, my, my daily squad for, for that contest was sunk by the Jordy Nelson injury. I had him in my lineup. That's a lot of money to spend on a guy who doesn't get you any points. Mm-hmm. Uh, sounds like he's going to be 50-50 uh, heading into this week's contest. That's which a is, shame. That's a real shame. Yeah, it, it's a concern <laughs> for me in daily, but also as a Packers fan. Yep. Um, you know, I also took a flyer on O.J. Howard. Uh, he's underproduced so far this season. It, you know, there was talk of him taking over as a clear number one uh, there in Tampa. That hasn't really happened at all. So for me, it's been a real tough start to to Daily Fantasy this year. Uh, I've fallen into the trap that so many of our listeners probably do as well. You know, you hit on most of the lineup, but just that one or two guys underperforms and it really uh, ends you up out of the money. Uh, I think it might be time that I start 
listening to my own advice and utilizing the Rotowire lineup optimizer to help me key in on some different guys week to week. You know what? I missed an opportunity to bust the chops of our guest when he came on because at the Fantasy Sports Show, we picked a team, each picked a team, and after two weeks, I'm tied for first at 2-0, and oh, and Chris is 1-1, one and one, so I've got a bit of an early edge, and there's a WWE-style championship belt that's on, on the line here for the winner and a toilet seat for the guy that fin- first that finishes <laughs> last, so I'm two, point, two games clear of that, at least, with a with a bit of a bulge there, and I want to stay at the upper part of this league with a shot of that belt. I'd love to pose for a picture with that. We'll throw it all over the Rotowire website if when I win. How about that? When I win. <laughs> Look, at, there's over two and a half million players that have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel. To take advantage of our special offer for new users, sign up today at fanduel.com slash RW. You get a free six-month Rotowire subscription plus a free entry into the NFL Sunday Million, which offers more than one million in cash prizes with your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com slash RW. Of course, this contest and others like it are void where prohibited. Don't uh, forget to check out our daily pods from Monday to Friday where we'll preview the daily MLB games throughout the remainder of the regular season in our DFS pods and then we'll transition to hockey, NFL, football, and and NBA basketball during the fall season. But now it's time to get back into our Central Division preview, looking at team number five. They're a team that we both liked last year at the beginning of the season very much. I don't think that outlook has changed at all as we look ahead to this season. Uh, They disappointed us in the regular season a bit last year before going on a magical playoff run that saw them reach the Stanley Cup final after winning the western side of the entire playoff bracket. They made a couple of changes uh, is all, and a bad injury is, is there to deal with right out of the chute. Here's the way the forward complement will look like for this club. Philip Forsberg, the speedy left winger, and Ryan Johansson, really staples of the front line. And the guy who's kind of uh, slipstreaming into that first line role, Victor Arvidsson, this guy's really going to be underrated in a lot of pools, AJ. I'll have something to say about him in a sec. Kevin Fiala, Chris Meany mentioned that he likes him a lot. So do I. Nick Bonino, another guy who fleed the uh, Pittsburgh situation for a second line role here. Uh, will will center the second unit. As I mentioned, Craig Smith will round out that uh, compliment. He's a veteran on this club who uh, saw the dark side and now enjoying the good times. Scott Hartnell was brought uh, into the fold here to provide some grit and toughness. Callie Yarncroc will anchor that second line at center, third line at center. And Pontus Aberg, another interesting uh, prospect who will get more playing time, maybe threatened for second line minutes ahead of Smith, uh, will round out the top three lines. Many will be focusing on on the acquisition of Johansson last season and Forsberg for their proven upsides. But Arvidsson, to me, is is the great sleeper pick. I think you can count on this guy for 60-plus points. As I mentioned, Bonino comes over from the Stanley Cup champs, craving a second-line opportunity that he wasn't going to get in pit for sure. Injuries obscured the skills that uh, Fiala flashed when healthy last season. If you look at the points per game, they were were better than uh, a lot of other players, and I think it'll be interesting to see what he could do if he's healthy. He's another breakout candidate for me, AJ. Yarncroc is the, the third solid scoring center that they have. That's a real luxury that they have over most other teams and a testament to their depth here. Don't overrate Hartnell, uh, one of my longtime favorites. I love this guy's skill, leadership, and grit. I like him a lot, but he's got a lot of travel miles on him. He's played a a lot of tough hockey over the years, and I think what you're going to see is a shadow of his former self. So that's how I view uh, some of the guys in this this grouping. How do you view the forward compliment in Nashville? To start out the, the gate here, I, I can't say it didn't sting a bit when fresh off the Stanley Cup win, Nick Benino switched sides to join the Preds. 
but taking an objective look at it from his perspective, uh, the Pens might have been able to match that that 4.1 AAV uh, that he's going to get, but probably not. And as you mentioned, he was never getting off the third line with Malkin and Crosby ahead of him. Right. Now that he's in the Music City, he'll slot into that second-line role, which I think it will uh, jump his minutes. Uh, he saw 16.39 of ice time last season. I think he'll probably be closer to 18 per game, which will include both power play and penalty kill time. Uh, I think he'll make a great addition to that second line, along with Fiala and Smith. Uh, you mentioned Scott Hartnell. Uh, again, if I can avoid my dislike for this guy from his time in Philadelphia, that was followed by his time <laughs> in Columbus, that now goes to Nashville, uh, I would not be shocked to see the gloves drop between him and Ryan Eves on October 7th when these two clubs face off. Uh, but looking beyond that, he's a nice, gritty addition to that third line. Now, one guy I want to just mention for those listeners out there in deeper leagues where you can take a minor league guy. Now, this is not for your everyday league that's all you know uh, starters and everything. This is for those deeper leagues. But take a look at Vladislav Kamenov. Uh, he's just got two NHL games, probably not going to be a fantasy stud in 2017-18, but he racked up 21 goals and 30 helpers with AHL Milwaukee last year. He's going to make an impact on this team, uh, perhaps somewhere else if they trade him away. Uh, but if you have room for a minor league guy in deeper formats, don't overlook the 21-year-old Russian. On the defensive end, now Chris talked about this off the top, Ryan Ellis is going to be out until at least January uh, so it looks like it'll be Roman Yossi with Alexi Emelin on that top pairing. Matias Ekholm and P.K. Subban, they really gelled well together last year after the Subban-Yossi uh, pairing didn't work out. And then you've got Mac, Matt Irwin and Yannick Weber. Uh, and Weber could also be challenged by Alexander Carrier. I'll get into that a, a little bit. But how much smarter, not that he needs more praise or accolades after being named GM of the year in 2017, but does David Poley look for making the move to bring in Alexi Emelin? Uh, at first, it seemed a little strange as a depth-only move. But with Ryan Ellis out until, as I said, until the new year, Emelin will slot into a much more significant role. I think it's obvious he's not going to replace Ellis' uh, offensive production. That's just not Emelin's game. Uh, but he'll help shore up what would otherwise have been a huge gap I think to help with some of that missing scoring, this is where I think Alexander Carrier comes in. Uh, he's another guy out of that Admirals pipeline in Milwaukee. He notched six goals and 33 helpers in 2016-17. In if he can adjust to the speed of the NHL game, I think he could be poised for a breakout year uh, as, a, as a rookie. Uh, that's how I see the, the, the defense. What do you like? What do you dislike on, on their blue line, Paul? I love how you love I love how you reference the Milwaukee club. Uh, this, you're not the official uh, a, assistant general manager for that team, are you, AJ? Not, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? You touched on it. The loss of Ellis will hurt over the first half season here, though it may allow for Eckholm and Weber to get more minutes, and that will translate to both, more points for both these guys who have all the skills that you like to see and, and good two-way defensemen. They'll score some points here in the shadows of... Uh, Josie and Subban uh, they're two of the elite scorers in the league and I like the fact that uh, 
we were concerned whether they were going to play together or split up. They thrived as they were split up last season, and that's only going to benefit this team going forward. Really allows them to get that depth spread out over the roster on the blue line, makes for one of the deepest units, and when Ryan gets healthy, it may well be the best defense in the entire NHL. So assuming Ryan Ellis gets healthy, uh, look out for them in the second half season. They'll be treading water until then. In goal, they have the tandem of Pekka, Rene, and Yusei Saros. Rene will be 34 to start the season. Still, though, easily among the most important and best goalies in the entire league. Saros will continue to see about 20 starts behind him on this deep team. Both these guys will rack up wins in 75% of the games they start, so that could mean as many as 45 wins for Pekka Rene, I think, even in this 60-game schedule. I think this team is that good, and to me, they look like the class of, divi- of, of a very good division uh, without giving away uh, the top-to-bottom standings just yet. AJ, your slant on the goalies here. I'll throw a little uh, ice on the uh, the, the Peke-Rene fire. Now, 60-plus games played and 30-plus wins. That's been the MO for Rene in the past three years, and I don't expect that to change heading into 2017-18, but the biggest concern for him is playing on the road. As great as he is, and as good as the rest of the team was at Bridgestone Arena, the Finn went just 10, 13, and 4 as a visiting goalie with a 2.66 goals against average. Uh, These road struggles were highlighted in the Stanley Cup Finals as he was winless in Pittsburgh and logged an abysmal .756 save percentage and 5.4 goals against average. Uh, Soros will face a challenge from Matt O'Connor in camp but I think he should still win uh, the number two job. All right, up next, we'll look at the St. Louis Blues. Blues. They got through Minnesota in the first round of the playoffs before running into the Predator juggernaut that ousted them in the six games in the second round. They didn't see, they didn't see a need to make many offseason changes, and we agreed with that assessment. Uh, but the forward ranks will have a different look than they did at the start of the season w- with regard to changes on uh, a couple of the lines. Look at what uh, they have here. Vladimir Savotka, Paul Stastny, Vladimir Tarasenko on that first line, Jaden Schwartz, Braden Shen, and Alex Steen on the second line. And then on the third line, Robbie Fabry, Patrick Berglund, and Magnus Pajarvi rounding it out. Sabatka had gave this offense another bullet when he joined the Blues just prior to the playoffs last season. He gets a full season here and yet will be overlooked by many in fantasy owners in season-long play just because of that fact. So be, be aware that this guy's going to be on that top line from the get-go, and that's going to juice his point totals. Tarasenko is simply one of the most skilled players in the game, and the guy's built like a tank, AJ. He kind of looks like me when I look in the mirror, actually. <laughs> Stastny is an underrated playmaker. Getting Shen, though, from Philly for Leighton was a steal, maybe the steal of the summer. He will thrive at center with Steen, one of the smartest two-way players in the game. Schwartz is a game-breaker, too. That's a heck of a second line, the way it breaks down. And the same could be said for this, what I think is the speediest third line in the league. This is really one of the better uh, offensive units in, ter- in the league in terms of overall depth, in my opinion. Well, we saw what Saboka was able to do in the playoffs, six points in 11 outings. Uh, So it's probably fair to expect big things from him in his first full NHL season back since 2013-14. I think his addition will negate the loss of David Perron via the expansion draft. Uh, I think injuries really set this squad back last year, especially Robbie Fabry, uh, who logged just 51 outings, but still in that limited action managed to snag 29 points. If he can stay healthy, he figures to approach the 50-point mark, even in a third-line role. Uh, There is talent throughout this group. They just need to spend time playing together and not watching from the press box. 
defensively, Jay Bomeister and Alex Petrangelo will be that top pairing. Joel Edmondson and Colton Pareko, Carl Gunnarsson and Nate Prosser, with Robert Bertuzzo and Jordan Smaltz potentially competing for time. This is a pretty deep group. Um, I think it was obvious, though, that they had no plan to replace Kevin Shattenkirk uh, when they were forced to trade him away at the deadline. And I don't really think things have gotten much better. They're a deep group, uh, but offensively, they're a little weak. Now, Alex Petrangelo will be the focal point of the blue line scoring and should continue to average 25 minutes per night. Uh, in fact, the five guys who figured to be in the opening night lineup alongside uh, Petrangelo combined for 10 goals. That's four less than Petrangelo himself. So he <laughs> nearly doubled their blue line scoring. Uh, Colton Pareko can add some value as all four of his tallies uh, came on the power play. But otherwise, in my opinion, it's a little bit of slim pickings here for fantasy owners. Are there any diamonds in the rough here for you, Paul? Yeah, to use my words, uh, I can identify one in a sec. They start the season, though, like you said, with less firepower on the back end. That was well brought out by your stats there. Pietrangelo will get his usual point total in the high 40s, but the guy that I look to be that diamond is Colton Pareko. He'll be right there, uh, or maybe even higher, I'll say. How about that? Uh, how about a hot take on Colton Pareko? This guy's got a big shot, and he'll get more power play time to use it this season. If you're looking for a dark horse, uh, in addition to him, Jordan Smaltz may be a good candidate here. If the Blues think they need a third scoring line on the back end, I think this guy's going to get a good long look. He played in the minors last season and produced uh, decent totals, almost, uh, well, better than a point every two games, 25 points in 42 games for Chicago of the AHL. So he represents maybe uh, the real uh, sleeper pick on the blue line here. If, he get, if they figure they need offensive uh, input, he'll, he'll get a long look as well. In goal, another good tandem. Jake Allen and Car Carter Hutton make up the one-two punch, giving the Blues a real sol solid tandem, in my opinion. Allen proved he could take on a first-stringer load in goal and ranked among the leaders across the board in goalie stats. Hutton is right there among the best backups in the league. Again, one of the best, strongest tandems in the entire NHL from th this vantage point. Do you agree, AJ? I do agree. Uh, in the spotlight for the first time last season as the true number one, Jake Allen stepped up. Uh, he logged 71, uh, 61 outings, excuse me, put up a 33-20-5 record. His goals against average did creep up to the highest of his career, but it was still just a 2.42. Uh, that's a solid season. I look for more of the same out of him. Carter Hutton performed admirably when called upon, uh, but the 31-year-old just isn't going to challenge Allen for starts. Uh, both these guys are firmly entrenched in their roles and should uh, pose a... a, a powerful duo uh, for much of the league to contend with and the last team in this profile is the biggest in terms of average size in the entire nhl my first hot take last year was that uh, austin matthews would beat uh, patrick liney for rookie of the year i guess i risk upsetting jets fans again when i say it's not as important to be among the biggest teams but maybe more important to be among the fastest in the modern nhl they did miss the playoffs last year entirely and i'll let that comment marinate a bit while introducing these young uh, these forward lines patrick liney mark shifley blake wheeler again intact as the top unit matthew perot brian little and nikolai ehlers on the second line kyle connor adam lowry and joel armia 
on the third unit. I'd hate to face off against that first line, AJ. I'd be looking up at all of them, and I stand six foot three myself. That's a lot of size and skill on that first line. Shifley has already come out and said he wants to rank among the very best centers in the league. That means he's taken a, uh, a position that he can be every bit as good as McDavid and Crosby. I'll uh, be waiting on that to see if that turns out. If it does, we think we have a playoff team here in Winnipeg, I will say. The second unit plays more of a speed game where Ehlers maybe plays the, the fast game as well as anyone not named Connor McDavid, in fact. Armia's scoring totals were impacted by an injury that cost him a chunk of the schedule, and most observers won't include him among the Jets' 20-goal scorers this year, but I might if he gets second-line minutes. That's my thumbnail on this offensive group, AJ. What about your highlights? Well, after years of stockpiling picks, it looks like the Jets appear to finally have the pieces in place to make make a run. Uh, that first line of Line A, Shifley, and Wheeler could be one of the most potent offensive trios in the league with all three guys capable of notching 30-plus goals. Uh, when you see that much talent stockpiled on one line, you sometimes expect a drop-off on the second, but that's not the case here. Uh, Peral has four straight 40-plus point campaigns under his belt. Little hasn't registered fewer than 30 points since his rookie campaign in 07-08. And Ehlers exploded for 25 goals and 39 helpers uh, of his own in 16-17. You throw youngster Kyle Connor into the mix as well. He went off for 25 goals in his first professional season with AHL Manitoba. Uh, and this becomes a netminder's worst nightmare of a, of a you know forward grouping here. Uh, defensively, it doesn't get any less high-powered when you look at this decor. Uh, you've got Tobias Enstrom with Dustin Bufflin, Dmitry Kulikov with Tyler Myers, and Josh Morrissey with Jakob Truba. Uh, this, you know, Bufflin could be the best player, uh, defensive player in my mind, in that second tier after Burns, Carlson, and Hedman. Uh, a little more production on the power play is what separates the towering blue liner from the elite tier as he knots just one goal and 13 helpers with the man advantage. I think Dmitry Kulikov comes over uh, after an injury plague year in Buffalo to help out kind of in the defensive third. But don't sleep on Josh Morrissey, who racked up 20 points and played in all 82 games in his rookie debut. Uh, this is a, an offensively-minded group. Every one of these guys, uh, with the exception of maybe Kulikov, is capable of scoring as well. Uh, I, I think this is a power, a power uh, offense on both the forward and defensive side. Paul, uh, do, do you agree with that assessment? You know what? I certainly do. There are some, certainly some Redwoods on this blue line as well in terms of size. Myers, for his part, only played 11 games last year. And when healthy, he's reminded me of a younger version of Zidane Chara in his prime. So I look for him, if he's healthy, to really help this defense in terms of point production, maybe even on the defensive side of the puck. Bufflin was among the leaders in shots on goal, hits and blocks shots. This guy gets involved all over the ice, and he is a fearsome-looking player on, on that ice surface, for sure. Enstrom and Truba are the best puck handlers and movers here, playing a more finesse-style game. So it's a pretty neat uh, group uh, on the blue line they'll all get their share of points and i think they could all threaten the 35 to 45 point range uh, in terms of the goaltending hand tandem here it's got a new look because of the addition of steve mason the uh, jets went out and signed this guy uh, out of philadelphia and they gave him a two-year contract at four million dollars per year 
after watching Hellebuck win a three-way goalie battle to appear in 56 games for Winnipeg last season based on their contracts when we note that Helly's pen, a pending RFA on a two and a quarter million dollar deal I think the edge has to go to Mason in the early going but that's a coin flip call for me and it could wind up being an even split in terms of games played so I don't know if there's a true number one that emerges here and maybe that affects their their value in terms of season-long drafts for me AJ what do you think this is definitely where the wheels start to come off uh, for this team and could be what sinks them. I think despite the talent around them, Hellebuck has yet to make the step to being a top-end number one netminder that they've been waiting for him to become. A 2.89 goals against average and a 26-19-4 record doesn't reflect the offensive firepower at his disposal. Uh, they gave him that one-year deal as a prove-it contract uh, while also bringing in uh, the much maligned Steve Mason, just in case Hellebeck stumbles. Uh, not that Mason has, you know, really done anything more uh, impressive in his time. He has just two 30-win seasons uh, to his name. I think if things are clicking along as expected with the rest of the roster, don't be shocked to see this team try and bring in another goalie prior to the trade deadline. I just don't see either of these guys. I, I You mentioned uh, an even split. That was a disaster for Mason in Philadelphia. He does better as a number one. Uh, that was really clear. When he had to split time with Newberth, neither one of them had any success at all. Uh, so these goalies are a big concern. They have the offensive talent to overcome it, but don't be surprised to see them make a move at the trade deadline. All right. Well, we've gone through the seven teams. So now let's hear your predicted order of finish. I see we're in agreement at the top of the bottom, but there is some discrepancy from two to six. Yeah, I think outside of number one and number seven, you could probably just pull names out of a hat and get probably as close to being right. Uh, Nashville is the cream of the crop here. Uh, they were so good last year. Obviously, with you know, if Ryan Ellis was in the lineup, I think they'd be even more cemented at the top, but I think they'll overcome that. It shouldn't be a problem. Now, I'm going to take a big leap here, one that I don't think you're going to agree with, but I think the offensive firepower with the Jets will propel them to number two in this division. That's a bold claim, but they've got just so much talent up there. If they can shore up the goaltending, bring somebody else in, I, I think they'll be good to go. I've got Minnesota coming in at three. Uh, they, again, did really well last year. I share some concerns about the age with that squad, so they could trend downward. Uh, Chicago at number four. I just don't love how their blue line shakes out, and, and that's what's got me down there. Now, Dallas coming in at number five, I mentioned all the good signings they had and Ben Bishop comes in. I really struggle with Dallas being number five here, but the talent on the other teams is just so high. We've talked about it in the rest of the podcast of how good this division is. I think Dallas is a top three, maybe four team in almost any other division. Uh, they're just stuck here with everybody else. And the same goes for St. Louis coming in at number six. Uh, defense, again, being a concern there for me. Uh, this definitely is a jumbled group uh, in that middle there. Now, Colorado, they're going to be abysmal. I expect them to have the biggest uh, chance of winning the draft lottery again this season at number seven. Yeah, I hope it works out for them better than last year, dropping down to four. Yeah, no but kidding. It turns out that you, you and I agree on four of the seven slots here. Second, third, and sixth are where we have a bit of a uh, contrast. I put Winnipeg sixth. 
I just think that there's too much in terms of better quality on some of the other teams in this loop. Minnesota, for me, is almost a coin flip with Nashville at the top of the standings. I know you have them third. I have them second, and I put St. Louis up in the third spot. I have always liked the St. Louis team. They they changed for the better, and they were a team that was right in the mix all season long. So I have no problem saying they're the number three team. We got $3 on the line in this division, and I think <laughs> it's going to be very interesting to see how it all shakes down for what I think is one to six the best division in in hockey i say it again well that wraps it up for this week's podcast aj uh thanks for listening to podcast with statsman and aj to all our listeners remember to send your questions and comments on twitter follow me paul bruno at statsman 22 you can follow aj Scholes at aj Scholes 24 and uh, we'll we'll thank our guest chris meany from the fantasy sports channel for jumping on with us today you can look forward to seeing him uh, being a part of our show on a regular basis, just like some of the other guests that we hope to have. And certainly Nat Daniel Negrano from last week was a star for us, and he'll be back too. You can for- look forward to a couple more of these preseason shows as well, where we'll highlight the key players and prospects from the remaining teams on the, the uh, eastern side of the standings uh, starting next week with the Metropolitan Division uh, as our next topic on the 26th of September. We ask you to look out for podcasts, hockey pod every week so that you get a all the latest news and our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy contest. So long, everybody. 